welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out, not too strongly, uh, just enough. We're like the Goldilocks of geeking out, uh, which is our new tagline, the Goldilocks of geeking out, uh, <laughs> here at the Outers Lives Network. This week, uh, I'm Adele and I'm joined by Ben. Yeah, both of us with our streaming blonde hair as well. Yep. Uh, well, I have a gold background. My lighting is quite gold. That's true. You've got dapply sun coming mm-hmm. at you. I think it works. I can bask. Yeah. I can bask. I think the analogy is just right. Good. Oh, dear. Uh, so, th- so today we're trying something new. Uh, we figured we'd spice things up. Uh, and we're doing a little more of a news segmenty, um, reflection on things type episode. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you enjoy it, um, and let us know, uh, if you do or don't, or want to hear more in, of our opinions slash updates on news. Uh, but we're really talking about, um, streaming, upcoming things, uh, and the future of film, thanks to the pandemic. Um, hmm. so I thought, uh, so, I mean, just, just an example, uh, obviously, um, most, a lot of studios pushed films um, in 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, we're now seeing the second wave of those. Uh, a great example is uh, the No Time to Die, the James Bond film, mm. um, has been pushed yet again. Um, they're really trying for that theatrical release. Yeah. Uh, but last year we saw big tentpole WB films like Wonder Woman 1984, uh, basically all the, um, mid last year, uh, to the chagrin of filmmakers, um, WB basically said our entire slate is just going to go on streaming. Screw the contracts, etc. or maybe not. That's a, that's a more loaded thing that I don't think we're going to get into details to. But they basically pushed their theatrical straight, slate straight through via HBO Max, mm-hmm. um, in the States and then, other places depending on contracts um yeah they pushed it to to streaming uh Wonder Woman 1984 uh etc um and so yeah uh, i guess and then i mean this is was in the wake of something like tenant which uh christopher nolan's been very clear that you should watch his films in theaters um he, he's he's been quite outspoken about whether uh, how that's the right way to watch his films, which is why mm-hmm. Tenet came out sort of end of lockdown one in that <laughs> adorable time where the world thought maybe they could reopen. Um, now, obviously, uh, we're seeing more places than just WB really take a look at these things. And if anything, it makes the WB move, although contract-wise and the way they communicated it uh, wasn't great. It seems quite prescient that they're like, no, we got to figure this out. So uh, I just thought, um, so let's just spend a bit of time talking about that. Uh, what are your thoughts re, um, re-releasing in theater, I guess? Re-releasing in theater? Sorry, re as in regarding <laughs> releasing in theater. Um, so uh, I'm in a, and have been in a situation where going to the cinema, going to the movies has dropped off for me in recent years. Having a child uh, kind of killed it, really. And there's only been a few exceptions to that. And most of them have, have been either by myself or you and I. Uh, we went and watched the... Return third. of the Rise of the Skywalker? Yes, that one. The third Star Wars movie, whose name has gone from my mind. Rise, Rise of the Skywalker? Rise of the Skywalker, yeah. Rise of the Skywalker. And, uh, you know, I used to love going to the cinema. I like not just kind of those bigger movies, like a Star Wars, like, you know, Christopher Nolan films, uh, although not a fan of Christopher Nolan films in terms of his sound balance and the <laughs> cacophony that you get in the cinema. And then everybody talks very, very quietly. Uh, but, yeah, I enjoyed going to the cinema for, for lots of different films. Lots of them I don't think I necessarily would have needed to watch in the cinema to get the full effect of them. Um, and I'm definitely starting to feel that pull a little bit more. You know, the idea that if I'm going to go to the cinema now, it, it well, not now, but 
when they do reopen, it will probably be more for films I'm either already engaged with, uh, franchises I'm already engaged with, and things that are maybe a little bit more uh, uh, built for the big screen, I guess. Something that you want that big, bombastic, or, 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 or cinematography, uh, a colouring and tone, or something that, that is really going to benefit from being seen on a large screen with, you know, whatever surround sound kind of uh, they have rather than just me sat on me telly watching it at home, occasionally slightly pixelated dependent on whether my internet is playing ball or not. Um, you know, there's, and I'm sure we'll get into that sort of that level of quality um, that you kind of get from maybe the, the, the shift might, um, you know, have issues with, but, yeah, that's kind of where I am with going to the cinema, I suppose. Uh, and I think you're in, you're in a quite a, a similar sort of space, aren't you? Yeah, uh, so you said a handful of things I wanted to touch on, but let's start mm. with just pre-pandemic. I, I didn't have a child. I had uh, PhD guilt, and, uh, you yes. know, uh, I, I, I don't think even though I... I you know, I was on PhD student, uh, slash TA salary. It was, uh, a movie is always a thing you can afford versus maybe mm. a few pints out, right? Um, so I don't think it was that, but I noticed that I was going to the theater less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it generally was for these tent pole slash sort of, uh, uh, kind of event spectacle cinema, I would say. Uh, you know, like seeing the Avengers, Last two, two parter, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Star Wars. Ooh, these are all Disney. Um, but you know <laughs> what I mean, right? Like these yep. spectacly films that like, yeah, the kind of, it is bombast. It is bright colors. It is, um, a thing that you can't recreate. It's also, I think with Avengers, especially is this like tent pole of like, we culminating and I really enjoyed seeing it with other people star wars less so mm, because uh mm. i think uh i was in a different headspace than others in the theater a present company excluded yes. um i was also kind of drunk uh <laughs> but uh yeah so i mean uh, that's kind of been my unwritten um approach for a while now it's like well what what's uh i mean what's the point we now have large-ish enough screens. I mean, I also was spoiled because, like, in Halifax, uh, I, I had my, you know, 103-inch projector set up with surround sound. So mm. it was like, well, you know, that's fine. I had movie, And in Calgary, I had a sim- I mean, the, actually the same gear 10 years ago. Uh, but I was still going to the movies quite a bit. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so, so I, I think I, me being a guy who adopts technology quite a bit, we have a lot more people with home theaters with projection home theaters but also now we can you can like my home monitor it was cheaper than buying a monitor is a hdr 4k 40 some odd inch television that's a foot and a half from my face which means when i'm on that couch still reasonably good tv watching right um so i think we've been heading that way for a while uh in the sense of you can recreate some of that spectacly bombast. Obviously, I think one of the things that you lose is most people don't set things up in the way that the technology opens them up for, which is why people still don't like watching or don't enjoy as much watching, even if they have all the right bits. It's still like not not as good as the theater, right? Absolutely. And I I don't know (coughs) for many people's experiences – uh, with technology, with the with the setups of the tellies that they have, whether they even scroll between those presets that exist on the telly, and if you're watching a movie, do you set it to cinema? Uh, if you're doing something else, do you you know do you change through those things? And I would say for ninety nine percent of people, no, they don't. Which, which is really terrible, because to make showroom to make TVs look good on the showroom, which are usually bright fluorescent lights or windows, uh, brightness is like way cranked mm. to compete with the lighting in there. And like basically uh, since time immemorial, all televisions are shipped in fuck off display room mode because yeah. 
the they can't trust the stores to calibrate. Mm-hmm. And then it was just an arms race of, well, I'm going to make a fuck up. I'm going to ship in this terrible mode because people will buy this TV. Um, so everyone does it. Um, but it looks awful in your home where you don't have fluorescent lights and it's not usually facing a window, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. I know most people don't, I know most people run their TVs like that, which means it's the wrong colors, it's too bright, which means, especially with modern display technologies being like LCD based, black levels being black are really hard, right? It's, it's like, that's one of the deficiencies of the technology, which is why OLED's more expensive because it can do deep blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never getting a deep black that you're even your LCD, that as deep a black as your LCD can do, can do if you don't touch those settings because it's in torch mode essentially, yeah. right? Uh, and so like, and it takes effort, right? Like I've got a PC connected, which is great because I can do a display calibration and there's like technology involved, but, um, average person doesn't know Windows can do that, doesn't know there's tools that can do that, um, and doesn't know how to do it or can't, doesn't have a thing to plug in to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and is just a limitation of knowledge and also like, what you can expect of people, which is a shame because, boy, could people's experiences at home be so much better. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is, is sort of related to, well, if we move to streaming. Well, let's let's start with the other thing, of course, is sound. Sound is so important. Mm-hmm. You were mentioning that in the um, in, in your, your chat about like wanting to go to the cinema for something that has like a huge soundscape or whatever. And yep. the problem is most people don't even have surround sound. Some have a sound bar. Most people just use the tinny speakers in the television. Um, and that's obviously really going to affect your experience. Um, you know, one of the reasons why you feel like you're in the movie in a theater isn't just the giant size relative to your face. And so it like uses up all of your field of vision. But it's also because you're hearing the noises from behind and to the side, et cetera. Uh, and then like, yeah, again, I've got a PC. I, I've got, uh, Bluetooth headphones. I can sit on my couch and the PC can do the magic stuff of the Dolby. Even though it's two channel, it can recreate surround sound. We all have mm. these 3D things. That's again, mostly because of video games and the fact that I have a PC plugged into the thing. And if this was a Blu-ray yes. player, the Blu-ray player would just output to a headphones two channel. It doesn't do the 3D calculation stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, which I think is one of the reasons why it, when we open up, I think it'll be very, e- I think you will still see the Marvel slate and the DC slate and the big Disney animated feature of the year because it's come out because also it becomes an event for the mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see where, Disney have gone as well. Obviously, with their, the launch of their streaming service, um, they did pull, um, and I don't know whether it was ever in the cinema, but um, Mulan, the live-action version was, of that. It was supposed to be a cinema film. Yeah, it was meant to be a cinema release. I think Soul as well, which came out recently, would have would have absolutely been a, would have been a cinema release. Uh, and I, I think at the moment, they're probably both only viewable through Disney+. Plus. Correct. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that sort of speaks to the Disney understanding the different reasons different demographics go to the theater. So like, yeah. like for, for example, like Evelyn is now old enough that going to the cinema for a family film is not the same. Like, it's not like, she, you know, in the past couple of years, she's finally got to a place where you could probably do that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I think actually the last cinema experience I had was to watch Frozen 2. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Was that last? Was that last winter? Was that before or after Stars? I don't remember. They're but, around the same sort of time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so, so you sort of, despite saying, uh, you know, you had a kid, cinema sort of the picture. A new type of cinema trip was coming in, but pre-COVID, right? Yes, yes. Um, and so, I think Disney's very shrewd because um, kids, the latest kids movie, one, you just want an excuse to watch a movie, have most of the night off, um, but also. All the paraphernalia, the chatting at school, etc., mm-hmm. is its own zeitgeist, yeah. and so it makes sense to put Soul, sort of a family-friendly movie, um, and something like Frozen Two on your platform, um, streaming platform, because it's not like the kids 
like the fidelity that Christopher Nolan reasons aren't the reasons, right? And neither are yes. the Avengers Endgame reasons that, are, that that people go to the theater. And so then you just want people to watch it. Yeah, it has an event at home, which isn't the same, but that's all people can do right now. And you're going to get rentals or streams, depending on how where how it's marketed, right? Um, on that on that release, uh, I was surprised at Mulan because it was such an epic. It seemed like a, a more of a theater movie, but I think again they just did the calculation of, um, and maybe it was, you, you know, you can make comments that it was. Uh, hedging their bets that maybe the theater going audience wouldn't have wanted to see an all Asian cast anyway. So it wasn't going to break the bank like Lion King and mm. Beauty and the Beast. But mm. I mean, they made the, the calculation that it would be, it would be in that soul frozen to category. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so the, the thing I wanted to touch on with um, home viewing and, and the shift there is if everyone takes a WB route, uh, they have to do it right. So this is the second part of the technology thing. It's like the bane of my existence, which is <laughs> um, so many of these are just like, especially older films put on streaming services are basically DVD rips. And so the track that they put out is on the audio is a 5.1 Dolby-ish, like a surround track. Mm-hmm. But if you play it, if you play a 5.1 track, uh, not down mixed, but just straight up to through um, stereo speakers, you get the left channel and the right channel. Mm-hmm. But the way you master surround sound is most dialogue is sent through the center channel. Um, so it sounds like they're talking at you. This is a standard thing, unless that they're talking from the left side of like off screen. They're on screen. Their mouth sounds come at you from the middle. Uh, but if you don't remaster it for home streaming, the average person doesn't have 5.1 surround sound. So if you just take the surround mix, that's why a lot of, um, it's also why a lot of movies, so left and right are almost always reserved for sound effects and music mm-hmm. because you want the stereo, stereo sound staging. But that's also why a lot of movies, you're like, God, this is really annoying. I can barely hear them. Volume up. Oh no, music, volume down. I've, you've blown out my ears because the bit of the mix that bleeds over between them is what is the only where place you're getting the um, audio, the dialogue. Yeah, and I think they've they're getting better. Um, just because I haven't noticed having to change it with more recent things, but like okay. it's a big problem. If so, if we're going to move to the default is streaming, we have to be prepared to make that default t- towards the base level of technology people yes. have. Yep. Not assuming, and even if, like, you know, Netflix sometimes has a stereo track, but also, do you default to the stereo track or the surround track? Because you're not going to just cinephiles like you did back when you first released, right? Like, mm. the default should probably be stereo because that's what people have. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean... May I know soundbars basically do that mixing for you. So, but again, how many people actually have soundbars? I don't know. Like, the, I guess maybe, but it seems really weird to not even highlight that this is an option. It's a very strange thing we found. And with people like Christopher Nolan, like you were saying, being very cognizant of like wanting things to be such a way, it means those mixes are going to be very particular, which means when they're not done right, it's going to garble the movie. Um, yeah. I'm not just saying that's why you don't like his balance of sounds. I'm just saying it's only going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why you think streaming is terrible. It's like, well, no, it's because it's not, the setup's not optimal. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's it. And all of the time and, and not everyone has, you know, good into, well, people have the availability for, for, you know, good internet, but not everyone pays for certain kinds of speeds and in some places you just don't have good internet either so it's it's something that is going to be uh, you know it's going to vary as well at least in um, visual fidelity kind of across the country across countries uh, you know all over the world it's going to be it's going to be different but I think as you say if you're starting to make 
your productions or at least the way that they are uh, delivered to a to a baseline that's going to help with this with this rollout or with this shift that that may be coming um, to go more towards the, the the streaming services yeah so i mean yeah so that sort of brings us to um uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, from your, um, sort of your points you made earlier is that, mm. uh, I, uh, I guest hosted on the Knives Out Minute podcast which is coming up next month, starting next month. Yeah. yeah. So it's Monday to Friday, one episode a day till the end of the film. Uh, and watching Knives Out on Amazon Prime, which I didn't get to see in theater, uh, and then also like really paying attention to the cinematography, the directing, et cetera. It's such a well-made film. Um, one of the worries I have is, boy, do I wish I saw it in the theater. Um, mm. Such well, good acting, um, but also really great cinematography, some really cool dynamic shots. I really like the, the film tone, the grain, et cetera, the, the feel of a 70s, 80s um, mystery movie. Maybe 70s, 60s, 70s, it doesn't matter. Um, right, like... All of that is so well done. I would have loved to see it not only in the theater for those sakes, but also like with some friends and, and be able to talk about it and like have that communal experience. And I worry that like that's a film most people will be like, ah, I can catch it on streaming, right? You don't know mm, until you've yeah. seen it how well crafted it is such that it's really a theater movie. And it used to be the case that all movies are theater movies. And so mm. I have a bit of a worry about, um, so what I, I, I'm worried that the the answer the theater the studios will have is what they've been doing along is reliable tentpole franchise blockbusters bring in sales well where they're already just doing those what like the middle ground of indie film and and tentpole is basically dead anyway and i'm worried that they're going to just not even have what remains below the blockbuster come to theaters at all which would be a real shame because some of the most beautiful films aren't mm. cgi action spectacles yeah um and i think knives out is a great example of a really beautiful film that on the face of it you might not think definitely see it in theaters and i think the studios will bank on that decision that knee-jerk versus contemplative decision and mm -hmm. sort of pull away from that because it'll be too expensive relative to Day one streaming. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those were, um, my thoughts, uh, on the future of cinema. I guess, do you think, do you think, um, theaters will survive? Ah, it's, it's very, very hard to, it's very hard to tell. Um, you know, as we opened up, with this conversation with um with something like the new james bond film being delayed um there's there's going to be other stuff that will have been slated that would you would have expected to have come out in the beginning half of say this year or the the end of last year that's going to be pushed maybe even a, a full year i know james bond has now been uh pushed three times i think yeah uh, twice in yeah. last year and then once in this mm. year. And there'll be other, other films like Black Widow for, for Marvel that, that would have been pushed. Um, I think, as you say, it's, it, it's making sure that people understand and know that they're not going to get an experience like the cinema anywhere else and really getting in on that. And there'll still be lots of people who really enjoy going to the cinema who will want that to get that experience back. Uh, and I don't think this is the end of cinemas. I think it might be the end of cinema, not the end of cinema providers, but the end of some cinema providers. I think perhaps we'll see a bit of a drop in um, who who runs cinemas and those kinds of things. Um, or whether we start to see a bit of a, a change in the way that that works. You know, whether there's now an idea that certain cinema providers are, are are coupled up with streaming services. So just as an example, uh, you, you've got Overheave, like Cineworld or View, those kinds of people, and whether they get into a deal with someone like Netflix and Netflix say, well, you're, you know, you're going to show these shows, 
we would then allow you to to show our exclusive films, say a month before they then come out on the streaming service. Uh, you know, trying to work that out kind of thing because working with other production studios and, and third parties and things would be too difficult to try and get the rights in that sort of way and try and do a deal like that. But if they're one company, there's the potential of, of, of being able to do that. And I'm not saying we're going to see Netflix cinemas, but you might see partnerships popping up between these, these different things. Uh, I, I, I found an article, uh, when we were, we were looking at stuff like this. Uh, about both Netflix announcing a huge slate of, of new films that are going to be coming yeah. out for the service, starring lots of uh, you know big name actors, but also Sky, um, who are a, a broadcaster, uh, who are going to be putting together for this year 125 films and TV shows. Um, and that's their own kind of productions, and they've only really been doing TV up until now. You know, the the, the Sky movie channels very much lean into all of the big production houses and getting the rights to be able to show them on Sky before kind of anywhere else. But they're starting to get a little bit into that as well. Um, there's a there's a little um, snippet from an article. It's on Variety. Um, and one of the people that have come into the... Um, into the sort of the, 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 you know, been brought up into the team in Sky. Um, I can't find his full name. Where's that gone? It just keeps referring to as Bennett. Um, Bennett, 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 Bennett. I've got to go right to the beginning again to find out where he is. Where is he? Oh, Zai Bennett. There we go. Managing director of content. Uh, he then says, uh, they want the theatrical mode to work. Theatrical model, not mode, sorry. Yeah. The actual model to work so that it can provide a pipeline for the service, the, the sky being the service. Uh, that being said, a variety of models are being explored. Films like Universal's Troll World, Trolls World Tour launched a day and date on the platform, while Wonder Woman 1984 debuted following a unique month-long theatrical window as agreed by UK exhibitors. While the Wonder Woman 1984 deal wasn't exclusive to Sky, uh, in the end, despite advanced negotiations, exclusivity is the ultimate goal. Of I mean, of course, yeah. it is. So then, seeing Sky, seeing Netflix, trying to partner up with cinemas to get in on that exclusivity a little bit more. You know, we're partnered with them. It's coming to the cinema. Here is an easy way for us to get in for exclusivity. After a month, after two months, after six months, whatever that is going to be, once it's had its run in the cinema, and I think maybe less cinemas being around because of all of this yeah. means that that exclusivity of it being a cinema release you know, isn't going to run a year or six months before it comes to DVD or comes to another service. It's going to be a bit shorter than that. I agree, I think. yeah. Uh, and I think that will be, they will be the changes um, to cinema, at least in my mind. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, my worry there is it's basically killing the independent cinemas. Yeah, um, yeah. Because uh, they won't have these deals um, and also be they're the ones that already are struggling because mm-hmm. I think, like like we said, people like us have who used to, I used to go to the cinema all the time because I like movies um, have already slowed down anyway. Yeah. Um, and like when you can catch an indie film on streaming again, the, there is this preconceived notion that you probably miss less unless it's something you want to see with friends, right? Yes. Um, uh, and so I my hope is that we'll. They catch on to the event notion of the cinema, not just the spectacle side, but also I agree. I think day and date or limited exclusivity slash like short runs that mm. makes theaters really rely on. But that, that problem with that is then you, you need a movie that enough people are going to see in that month. Yep. And then after that, you need another movie that enough people are going to see mm-hmm. in that month. And I think it's going to slowly degrade. I, I'm thinking theaters need to figure out what else to do with their space, which Absolutely. they kind of started yeah. to do a little bit more. Um, I don't know how expensive that is. I think the, the model is really going to get shooken up in a way that they kind of got away with for more years than you would think, given the internet. And a lot of that has to do with uh, people not, you know, Buying a surround sound, buying a sound bar, figuring out how to do that. And to be honest, if I think more people might have started to do some of those tech tweaks 
because they were bored mm. or looking into it. Maybe, right? I don't know. But like, I think also people have realized in this year-ish of being stuck at home what, what they can get away with and, and, and money coming out of this is going to be tight for most people. So something, even if, even, so I think everyone, there's going to be a surge of the, the doors are open, the theaters are open. I'm just going to see a movie and be in a room with people whenever that's allowed and people feel comfortable. Cause I think there's going to be this weird hangover of, don't worry, we now have a vaccinated population. It's okay to go to a crowd and people yep. being like, yeah, but maybe no. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, like, I think there'll be a, a brief upswing that won't be long-term tenable. Yeah, it won't be sustained for 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 very long. But I, and I agree um, that, that that cinemas or theatre providers were looking at different uh, things to bring in anyway. So you know whether it's sort of stadium concerts or theatre productions, as you say, they have the infrastructure already to provide excellent picture quality, excellent sound, those kinds of things. And if people don't want to, you know, or, or theatres. Are and, and concerts are still in that kind of hangover from the pandemic and saying, well, we can only, we used to be able to take 10,000 people. We can now only take five because that's how we can safely still keep things whilst it's still being a vaccinated society and things like that, that they can then have a deal with cinemas, which also make it a lot easier and more accessible for people to go to those things. You don't all have to ship to London or Bristol or Edinburgh or somewhere to be able to see stuff. You can go to your local cinema to still experience a lot of this stuff. And, you know, again, coming back to someone like Sky, who has their Sky Arts channels, who show a lot of that kind of stuff, taking that off the TV and putting it into the cinema. And whether your Sky subscription also gives you a free viewing at a cinema every month or something, there's so many possible models that can be brought into this and so many different avenues that they can they can do it. And I'm sure if we're having this conversation, all of these places oh. are having these conversations as well. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what they what they come up with. And just to finish on my thoughts on that, talking about those events, I think if you are a little independent cinema it's the idea of doing reruns of shows, reruns of uh, of movies that people may have missed when they were, you know, 13, like, like The Matrix or something like that. You really think that I really want to see The Matrix, but then they do a, a double showing or they show the trilogy, things like that. Yeah. You, know, you, you go for the day to experience things that you the event, haven't yeah. had to, the event, yeah. Uh, so one thing I will say about that, this is one of the things that sort of came out with the Fox merger with Disney. Hmm. Disney's had a lot of growing pains of only wanting some parts of it and kind of being like, fuck the rest. Yeah. Uh, they stopped licensing out the Fox movies in a Disney vault sort of way. So small theaters weren't allowed screening things that they, like Rocky Horror Picture Show was suddenly not allowed, like being allowed oh, wow. to be screened and stuff. Yeah, this was in 2019, I guess, like, you know, in the before times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, that's the worry, one of the worries about this giant monopoly on, like, the fact that Disney's this juggernaut that keeps absorbing things is if they don't see the bottom line because it's not worth their time, or they're just not interested in pursuing that type of thing, we don't get to do that type a thing yeah uh, unfortunately because yeah. that's how copyright works uh and so i agree i think that's the way these theaters can survive i just wanted to highlight that like there's outside factors that might not let them move into that space even if the customers want it and they have a good plan yeah. um the other thing along those lines with copyrights etc is uh with so sky has the it's like owned by comcast has the contract with hbo max that's where most of sky's mm-hmm. movies are coming from is the hbo warner brothers pipeline which that uh that article you you, you mentioned um is going to uh um that article you mentioned is going to that that contract's ending soon is what i'm trying yep. to say yep. uh and so that's one of the reasons why they're ramping up production now because of course um oh thanks for the raid um uh they want to do this thing um where they want to be prepared thank finally a media company looking for it they're like okay so this is going to land in a few years we need the capacity now and also the viewers getting used to our stuff and the growing pains right 
So, but we can expand to the point where we fill all those spots. So this year we'll we'll double our production and go into more films than just TV. Yeah. Uh, next year we can double that again, maybe or expand, and that's uh, that's sort of what they're all doing. But what we're seeing then is just this fragmentation that is already there: Netflix, Disney Plus, uh, HBO Max, CBS All Access, mm. Sky, 4OD. You know, all, all of the things and some things are on all of them. Some things are on none of them, et cetera. And it's, of course, across countries. It's even more terrible. And I just, we're already seeing like cable news, uh, or sort of cable in North America, cable got, it's like 150 easy bucks yeah. uh, a month. And that's one of the reasons why people got Netflix and Netflix streaming became such a big deal because it was cheaper than the movie channels mm-hmm. and with more selection. But now everyone sees all that money and is, doing the same thing and now yep. it's like hey if i like for example for us like if we have we host a show if we want to catch up on all the sort of zeitgeisty films so we can talk about it and talk with you guys about it we kind of need access to a whole bunch of stuff and it's more convoluted when we're based in the uk <laughs> <laughs> uh right like so when our wonder woman 1984 episode was like two weeks ago even though it came out in the states two months ago mm-hmm because um, the streaming date in the UK was the 13th of January, right? All these things become way worse because now we have this fractured landscape and I don't – so the worry is that with the studios thinking – the studios who make the things being more concerned with streaming is going to make – and then the, the distributors who sell you the shows – being worried about those deals because they're moving to streaming. So then they're making the shows. Now the distributors and the studios are both trying to do both and they'll both yeah. charge you a monthly fee for it. And it's worse than just all of the studio, all the distributors now making you pay. Cause now we're getting the studios figuring out how to do the same thing. But also the distributors are like, well, they're, we got to do something. I guess we're now studios and it's, it's. <laughs> Like Amazon makes their own stuff. They weren't even around as a thing five years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Good. so. Mm. It's going to get expensive. Uh, going to, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very true. Uh, yes, uh, also capture the JS. Thank you for the road. Thank you for the follow as well. Uh, cool. Uh, so that was the, the, the ramble on, on stuff, but let's, uh, in our, the last, sort of 20 minutes of, of this episode um, of the show, I figured let's let's talk about what we know is coming out in 2021 that we're excited about. Obviously, a lot of this will be the Disney slate because they're the ones who sort of made the biggest announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, start with Marvel, which are conveniently in our, um, well, below my face, actually, um, for those watching versus just listening on the VOD. Uh, so, um uh, let's just go in order. Uh, did you manage to see the brief clips from, I think this was like the De- December Disney Plus event? Yes, I did. Um, I'd, I'd kind of seen hints of some of them before. So I'd seen, um, the one I hadn't seen was the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'd watched the Loki uh, trailer before. I'd seen a few of the other sort of, uh, uh, things and announcements and stuff. Um, but I think it, obviously it kicked off with one division, doesn't it? But we've already discussed that, uh, last yeah. week. Um, so kind of skipping over that one. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, is interesting, but it's very much, I think we alluded to this last week, that big action event, uh, that big action show, everything in that trailer was kind of just bam, 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 bam. Uh, yeah. Big action, set pieces, you know, Falcon flying through this crevasse with all this crumbling stuff and things. It, it looks like it's going to be that big action. And, and it probably fills a space as well. You know, we, we with um, Black Widow, being, I would imagine, very much an action film and that having been pushed as well, this does fill a space for Marvel. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of on the same page with respect to um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, oh, it seems very clear that someone's going to put the suit on. Uh, 
Falcon is in the trailer for with his wings for a large mm-hmm. chunk of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Winter Soldier's like, I can't do it. I can't be Captain America, so you have to be. And then all the the uh, internet dudes will be like, oh, SJW is a black Captain America. Um, I mean, that, that seems like a, a telegraphed tension is who's going sure. to yep, yep. take do the thing that we both agree needs to be done. Um, but I think, again... That seems like the only plot. Mm. Like we have no idea who the bad guys are. It very much feels like it's going to be action movie terrorist of the week, which could not could hit weird given the current climate. Um, depending on who these people are. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember because uh, a lot of the time when uh, on the on this on the video that we watched uh, yeah. for all this presentation, um, Kevin Feige went through. Um, all of the kind of the actors and things that were associated with the with the shows, and occasionally gave hints about who the bad guys and things would be. Um, so I'm just I've just gone in to have a look at a little bit of a write up again on, from The Verge um, mm. to say the show, which is going to be six episodes. So it's quite a short, very short show. And I mean, what, that might be good. It might make it more like an extended action movie. Ex- yes, and if they're what maybe twenty, thirty minutes each. Yeah, we're getting closer to it being more of a more of a movie uh, and it being sort of, I suppose, in um, in acts. Uh, but uh, da, 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 da. so the show takes place after the events of Avengers. Uh, the events of Avengers Endgame. Steve Rogers has retired from his role as Captain America, choosing to live a simple life in an alternate reality with his longtime love, Peggy Carter. So I assume this also happens maybe after WandaVision and the Doctor Strange um, something Thing. of madness, multiverse of madness films, yeah. maybe. So this then says, Sam Wilson Falcon has picked up the shield instead. The brief glimpses Fans got from the Super Bowl spot also teased Bucky Winter Soldier reuniting with uh, Zemo, which is Daniel Brühl, uh, who first yeah. appeared in Civil War back in 2016. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, so so it seems like it's going to do something with Zemo and possibly Hydra E things, mm-hmm. uh, which are like a nice generic bad, um, yeah. right? But it might be, like I said, it. I, I'm super curious on whether that sort of generic notion of um, bad guy and and de- deploying the notion of terrorist, you know, will be hit the same as it might have a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it could be mindless action movie. I like. I actually am more intrigued if it's six episodes because then it could just be, like I said, like an extended action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, made for TV with commercial breaks. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm not super attached to either of those characters. I liked the Winter Soldier movie, but I liked it a lot more because of how it, like, the intrigue and the relationship between Cap and Bucky was very much, a the key to that. And that's not going to be here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's also sort of an arc that closed itself, which is mm-hmm. why it was a good movie. Um, so, so next up, we've got uh, Black Widow, uh, supposed to come out November sixth, but obviously now it's coming out um, May, I believe. Our, our little image we used is the old lineup, uh, the original pushback of mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, it just has the cleanest list of things, basically. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I believe it's May. Uh, uh, so they have a full trailer out, etc. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets pushed. Yeah, end of the summer, I would think. Uh, maybe September kind of time, perhaps. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about it? Uh, did you see the full trailer? I did see the trailer, but ages and ages and ages and ages and ages yeah. ago. When did that come out? Last year, at some point. Yes, yeah. I did watch the trailer. Uh, I like. Black Widow. Uh, I like the other uh, actors that have been cast um, in the um, in the film. It, it looks it looks cool. It'll be interesting to see where they take it. Considering, I think it's probably Scarlett Johansson's last appearance Mark. as the character. I mean, we say that, but mm. we already know that um, Chris Evans and uh, Robert Downey Jr. have hinted that they might be in future things. Yeah, maybe yeah. smaller roles. So, never say never. But yeah, I think this arc of her character is supposed to end with this film. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I like that it deals with their past. I'm hoping it's not just generic action or that there's some dude from her past. Doesn't seem like it. I, I, you know, I hope they don't do her right and not in the, uh, cynical, well, if it's a female, we have to do a different type of story. Sure. Especially considering she's the one with the roughest upbringing of being an assassin and like growing up away from parents, et cetera, and in the violent world longer. Um, but yeah, I wasn't wowed by the, um, by the trailer. I thought it looked like it might be good, but it might just be a film. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in these, this weird half wave of Marvel mm. post end game thing. Um, because they're 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 trying to ramp up, but they're also trying to tell stories, and it's they can't rely as much on the overall global things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm just reading the comment from Capture the Jets. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler for what? What spoiler? Which spoiler? Good ending for both people. Which people? I think I think uh, Endgame or <laughs> Infinity War. <laughs> Uh, the I mean, last we're, one. We're, yeah, we're, we're good on we're good on spoilers. We, we, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, fine. yeah, we're fine. Uh, but yeah, so so like, isn't Black Widow technically a prequel because of the the she dies in the end of the thing, right? She does. Yes, it, it, it yeah. is a prequel. Yeah, end game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes, it is a a prequel. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing is, yeah, so so yeah. That's what I'm interested by the the rumors that they might be coming back. I assume it's in the multiverse of madness, but you're right. Like Iron Man and Captain America and Black Widow all had sort of integral good end of chapter um sort of moments uh in uh, Endgame and um but with the multiverse it, it means sort of that that character that sort of Earth 616 version has had their arc. But then what does it mean for the actor and the other Earths? Uh, which I think is hinted at, like you said, in the, um, in the text of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Like the, in Endgame, Cap sort of just goes back in time, and we assume in our universe, and then grows old with Agent Carter, Mm -hmm. and thus he's old at the end of Endgame, right? Um, in that description, he went to a different dimension? Question mark? Yep. Is that just marketing fluff messing things up? Or Who knows? Who is knows? it like a retcon? Very interesting. Anyway, um, we've got WandaVision. Uh, actually, let's talk about Loki. You know, we're running out of our hour, and Loki's mm-hmm. the... I think it's the other WandaVision, so I think Kevin sort of made a point of saying they're stretching their genres. Yes. Uh, and I think Loki's clearly that. Um, it's uh, mystery sci-fi. Yep. With some noir, maybe elements. And with that, I suppose that very uh, dark kind of comedy that, that, that the character kind of brings as well. Uh, I, I think Loki, uh, kind of as a character, is always kind of one quip away from being just murdered. Essentially, <laughs> and you'll kind of, I mean, again, something we have seen. Um, so it'd be interesting in where this fits and the, and the tone of it as well. If it is going to be more kind of sci-fi esque kind of thing, is it going to take a, a darker turn as well? Like WandaVision so far has tried to hit that kind of comedy, uh, sitcom element. And there's there's jovial parts to that. I wonder how Loki is going to work that kind of comedy element as well in. Yeah, because yeah, WandaVision has the, the luxury of having two very different things going on. Yes. And the, the, the WandaVision show is lighthearted, weird stuff. And the rest is this kind of scary, creepy, dark stuff. And But it's so thus far, three episodes in, it's pretty... We're now starting to see the two tracks combined, but it's been pretty easy for that show to switch gears because it's literally switching gears. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Loki seems to be much more about the same path. So then it needs to be dark, but not so dark that when the quips happen, they don't feel out of place. Yep. 
Yeah. But I, I, I was super intrigued. It's not, I like, this is my, so my biggest fear with Disney and the various franchises they've had is that they want money and over the past 25, 30 years, the big studios have just tentpole blockbuster safe is the way to go. Mm. And I think one of the good things about streaming services is you see the numbers on all the niche stuff. And I suspect Disney has now figured out that like they can do things that non-standard demographics like, right? We get to see that someone who watches this watches this and this and this. And so you can have more faith in your audience trying new things. I suspect that's driving a lot of this experimentation. Also that, that like, Someone has figured out that you need to do this because people are getting tired of blockbusters, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and streaming is a very different thing than the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about Loki and WandaVision has re-intrigued me and mostly I just like that they're trying new things. Yeah, definitely. So for example, let's jump to She-Hulk. Mm. Um, it's, I think it'll be an Ally McBeal comedy with cameos. <laughs> oh, that'd be excellent if it is. Wouldn't uh, it? Mate, what's, what's, I can never remember the actor's name, but he should absolutely be in it playing his character from Ghostbusters 2. Um, what's the boss in Ally McBeal called? Is he the boss? Oh. The little guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, the keymaster. Yeah. No, 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 no that's no. Rick Moranis. That's Rick Moranis. The, the, the guy, yeah. the guy who just has goes, Vigo! Constantly yeah. in, in Ghostbusters 2. Uh, ah, I forgot he, he was in Alan he, he obviously won't be in this, but that would be an excellent little crossover. Uh, yeah, She-Hulk, uh, it sounds good. As does, um, like, I really like the character of Moon Knight as well. So it's interesting yeah. to see that there, that there's going to be a show, uh, about that. And obviously, both of those, I think, are super early on, right? They're still like, yeah. maybe storyboard stage. They've got a few people attached to them, you know, directors, writers, and, uh, and, uh, some of the cast as well. Um, but I guess that's maybe, maybe 2022, if not 2023, perhaps. Like, I mean, so, so I think it, I, I, I know studios are now have their, um, have a better handle on quarantine and what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. So, but She-Hulk is slated for 2022. Uh, Moon Knight, I believe, is also slated for 2022. Yeah, yeah. No, no it's, it's actually it's not actually on the slate. So, so She-Hulk has been said that it's going to be Q1 2022, right? Um, and Moon Knight, nothing. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's going to be how they work all of these together as well. You know, if we've got WandaVision, Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, and all of these other shows, Hawkeye as well, She-Hulk, like, are these just going to be one season of something? Or is it going to be, are they going to have off years? You know, that's going to be a really difficult thing to keep the momentum of a show going if you do not have a new season within a year or 18 months of it. And how they're going to rotate all of these things around. You know, easy in the cinema. It's in the cinema for yeah. a month. Done. Whereas then suddenly, if we've got a new show every two months, roughly, let's say. Because I think what well, WandaVision is January. Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be March. Loki, I think, is May. And I don't know whether there's anything on that. Um, it's going to be how all of these kind of work through. Yeah, as Cap suggests, says, yeah, the, the Green Arrow did have multiple seasons. I think things like, you know, where the, what the CW have done with their DC TV shows has worked very well. And, and Supergirl I, again had multiple shows. I think, what's the other one called? They're still making more. They right? are, yeah. And like, there's, there's the other one where they have lots of, there's, there's one which is like an ensemble, uh, show. Uh, Legends never remember the, yes. of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, yes. Yeah. Um, and they do, they, they've done quite well at being able to kind of balance that, have crossovers and all of these sorts of things. Uh, it kind of leads into maybe before we go to your thoughts, Adol, um, on this secret invasion, which mm. is a huge Marvel storyline, uh, and something I thought might have been the next slate or leading up to the next slate from all of these things. And all they've kind of said is secret invasion, uh, at least on the, on the verge yeah. write up there is, is the previously rumored Nick Fury led series. That will see him reprise his role as Shield director, 
is it, is I it, mean, is it being turned maybe from a big event into just the just Shield, Agents of Shield, led by Nick Fury rather than Coulson, and it's now a Disney Plus show rather than ABC show and that kind of thing. So there's so many questions with all of this. Yeah, so I think um, I think the Arrowverse, as it's affectionately called, the CW mm. DC universe, is actually what um, Marvel's probably aping. Yeah, which is hilarious, big, and probably has learned from DCEU's lack of being able to ape the MCU, um, because uh, they do their crossover events now. They've done three, I think. Three or four. They basically, it's become a yearly thing, right? They've even done the big, uh, what was the crossover, um, last year? The huge one. Um, uh, Crisis. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. Like, like one of my favorite, um, comic stuff, uh, crossovers ever. Um, and, but I, the reason why I say this is because, uh, Kevin, uh, on, on the December thing he, he talked about how everything's going to be more interconnected mm-hmm. that's what you're going to see but also secret invasion it plays so well into crossovers between so yes. i think it's going to be a main through line and we're going to have cast members from some of these other things pop in but we'll also probably have easter eggs and i'm guessing they've learned from agents of shield that you can't just have easter eggs and vague references you have to have people mm-hmm but also because they've already got convinced their big stars to be on TV, well, yes. streaming. Yeah. So I think they won't have the problem of Agents of Shield, which was just too early for its time. TV and movies had very different um, expectations, actors of them on switching between. Right? There was very, very much a TV up, not not interplay. Yes, absolutely. Um. So yeah, I think uh, Secret Invasion is going to be their. It's their Avengers. Of their TV universe. And I think this is going to bridge between the main theatrical thing while mm. they figure out what the main theatrical thing <laughs> is going to be. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think it's actually quite shrewd of them to do a very big high profile thing. Have Sam L. Jackson in this. Have these sort of, some of these are talented actors who are traditionally in television. Some of these are talented, are literally MCU people reprising their roles like Loki. I think Tatiana Maslany as She-Hulk makes a lot of mm. sense because she's so good at playing different people in her own skin, as we saw in Orphan Black. Yep. That like I have, like you did. You hear that and you're like, yeah, that'll be fine. She could pl- easily play. I both, mean, I, right? I like, like as well how she's quite a short, lithe kind of girl, whereas uh, the character's always been sort of a bit of a, a, a taller. Kind oh, of- but 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 so the curious thing will be is how they make. Her. So in the comics, she could change at will, unlike the Hulk. Yes. Um, and she, uh, for a long period of time in the comics, she stayed in She-Hulk form because she didn't lose her intelligence. Yeah. So just why not be in the physical, physically better body all the time? Mm. But this is the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if this is blood transfusion. That's why Mark Ruffalo's in it. She struggles with vigilanteing and hasn't figured out the balance. Mm. And so, We'll have some sort of CGI face thing like we do with the Hulk with the big She-Hulk. But then if it's probably going to have multiple, I think they're planning multiple seasons of these shows. Yeah. Though Marvel and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, actually might be the beginning of a Captain America show by the end of episode six. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That type of thing. Like I think they'll have the casts continue. Mm hmm. It might just shift slightly in what it's shift titles or or even shows like the fact that Secret Invasions are there. I actually think there'll be a lot of like now like actually mimic mimic the comics. Like Mm. now these guys are hanging hanging out for a season, but the universe will retain the act. Yeah, and they've already kind of coming to that with this um, multiverse of madness idea with WandaVision, with the new Doctor Strange movie and and things, and and even as as you can see on the the slate of stuff, Spider Man three. Uh, yep. and what the fuck is going on there? So, uh, there's, there's, there, I mean, there's so many possibilities with where they take kind of the multiverse sort of stuff, how they cross all of that over, how then the shows kind of all cross into each other and things. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's just such a, a, a rich, uh, and, and already well thought out universe 
that there's just so many ways to do this. Yeah. So, I mean, we're running out of our hour, but mm. um, I did want to point poke at a couple of things, yeah. which is this multiverse thing. Uh, one, again, I feel like this is Disney is doing the thing that which is taking a risk. Doctor Strange sold way better than they thought. And they're like, why don't we have this as like the the key slash kickoff? Uh, clearly, we're going to have other stars from other films in it. Right. But like it makes sense, like they're they're trusting the comic book world rather than just the actors, etc. Mm. Um, and so I'm super pumped for it in a way that I liked Doctor Strange, but didn't think it was like so amazing. Yeah. But now I'm super curious about it. Um, but also, yeah, the multiverse thing allowing old actors to maybe come for smaller times in the MCU is really smart. It also allows us to recast people, which is very intelligent right this is the best time to bring the multiverse in mm. from us like from the studio's perspective because now when thor is suddenly natalie portman um that makes which is actually just here but like if yep. we end that with maybe they don't natalie portman wants it for one um season but chris hamsman wrote this out after this thor from universe x comes in to be the thor at the end of that that make that that can happen right we could get to do cast you know it's like the it's like regeneration in doctor who at the end of william hartnell's run yeah it's just like a way to keep the universe while swapping the actors uh, so that i'm really excited about there's one last thing i want to say about the slate which is shang chi is a bold choice it's all asian it's cast uh i'm hoping it's done well because like mm-hmm. we don't want a repeat of iron fist not just the white character not being recast and the white savior complex but like all of the iconography etc it's all like 70s pastiche um problematic visual um interpretations of actual people on the other side of the world and their histories and so i'm a little worried about shang chi falling into that area yeah and moon knight having did an actual diagnosed condition mm. um and kevin like and them saying he has did uh means the representation of did historically has been very problematic in the world and so i'm a little worried about them saying yep it's did but also let's demonize did or something <sighs> right yeah like, so those two were the two where we didn't get any information except they exist and then it's like all these alarm bells of are these like, I get the Egypt, I get the market to the Middle East, I get the representation, it's great. DID is a little worrisome, because representation isn't just racial, it's also, you know, mental illnesses, etc. Absolutely. Et uh, you you would yeah. hope that they are doing it in a, in a way that they're bringing in consultants and people who will be able to help with this kind of thing. Uh, and update the, don't be like beholden to, well, it was like this in the comics, which were absolutely. from a time where yes. we didn't think about these things. Yep. Yeah, completely. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's catered more to modern sensibilities and modern audience rather than it having to be true to source material. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think the one thing we haven't touched on as well, but we kind of have is the animated what if show as well where they're throwing different characters into different uh, roles, essentially. I think there's um, Star-Lord is... Um, um, who is Star-Lord? Black Panther. Black um, Panther, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, so there's, 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 there's already kind of setting us up for that idea that they may shift different people in, people around... And whether what if is kind of, you know, it's part of this multiverse idea. This is, it's just episodes, animated episodes around that, but based on the what if comic, I suppose. Uh, and they just tie it in, in a certain way. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. We haven't talked about Blade. Um, yeah. which I don't really know if I want, do I want a new Blade film? Yeah, I want to just watch Blade 1 and 2 over and over again. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the third one. That's fine. No, it's fine. Ryan Reynolds. <sighs> Boy, is that guy going to be a million things? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he still wants to return as uh, the Green Lantern, apparently. 
Oh, really? In the DCEU. Yeah, oh, he's wow. mentioned. Uh, I mean, that was there's, a bad film. There's Very been, bad film. Don't watch it. There's been talk of uh, him um, getting, is it like a 10 movie deal as well to be Deadpool? With Marvel. Yeah, mm. which is madness. Although no. I think, I suspect it might be weird Easter eggy pop in and out. Possibly. Stuff. Yes. Yeah, he might not be starring or ensemble cast in 10 movies. Yeah. It might be 10 appearances. He wants, to, he wants to direct Deadpool 3, I believe. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I read something about that. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, so can confirm. So let's capture the yes. Nice. Uh, so um, <laughs> yes, it was disappointing. Green Lantern. Yep. Uh, yes. So um, all all the all this to say, the what if I think it's one of my favorite series Marvel's ever done. Mm. The counterfactual, whatever it's, and being its own place. But I also think secretly it's going to introduce because it's not. So it's Uatu, which I love because the, the premise of the comic is Uatu the Watcher telling you how things could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but here he says different universes. So I actually think that there might be an impact on the multiverse stuff from the cartoon because it's not just what if this happened? It's in this multiverse. Yes. In this yeah. other universe, this happened is how they're spinning it. Uh, and so it's not what if, but where it right and so I'm, I'm super curious how integrated these these moves will be um so we've hit past our time uh yeah guardians of the galaxy was great uh that's another thing the holiday special re- mm. directed by james gunn i'm stoked about uh i really i liked guardians 2 not as much as some but but still solid uh again i think they they know how that team works yeah um and Thanks for showing up, uh, Capture. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, yes, just to wrap up the, uh, we were going to talk about sort of the Star Wars and some of the other things going on. We'll, we'll touch on that in, in future weeks, but, uh, that's been us today. Did you have any, you didn't have any final thoughts? Did you? No, no. Yeah. I just realized I was steamrolling before checking in. Um, so, uh, uh, we've, uh, we've been, um, Geek Out Weekly. We're here every week. Uh, in our casual chats about geeky stuff, that's um, Mondays at noon, uh, British Standard Time. Uh, we're on the Out of Lives Network, outoflives.net. If you want to contact us, podcast at outoflives.net. Uh, ben and I are also two-thirds of Tanked Up, the podcast all about craft beer and video games, which uh, streams here on Twitch at 8 p.m. Tuesdays, uh, or on your podcatcher of choice, or you can catch it or or the vod of it on of, of this as well on YouTube. Um, let's just look up Out of Lives Network on YouTube. Uh, on Tuesdays at noon, I do first looks at new games. Ben streams whatever he feels like on his lunch break. Wednesdays at noon and uh, Fridays at 10 p.m. British time. Rodari has Insomnia stream, which I believe he's going to start some sort of scary game. Yes, I have no idea whether the the embargo even says we can say it what it is or not. But yeah, mm. scary game. Scary game number four. Also, <laughs> if I made a scary game, I'd call it scary game number four. Uh, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, review, rate, whatever the heck you're supposed to do on whatever the heck platform you happen to be catching us. Thanks so much, uh, for tuning in. Tell a friend. Uh, I've been Adil. I'm, I'm always Ben. Yeah, I've been Adil just this week. Uh, <laughs> take care, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye www.outoflives.net